What do you think? Is it uh, Friday yet? We need to go. It's definitely Friday. <laughs> Dude, it's late on a Friday with the way I'm feeling. Yeah, true. It's Friday. And we have so much partying to do this weekend. Happy Friday! Happy Friday, oh, everyone! I'm so psyched. Party time. Yeah. Well, almost party. Well, I mean, it's... Uh, to be honest, I'm not sure if this is the start or the end of a Friday, but this is somewhere on the Friday. It's the start of the, the weekend. weekend. is coming. Yes, yeah. the weekend. I have partying to do. I'm mm. going to go out. I'm going to be social. Things are going to happen. Whoa. I know. It's so Goodness. unlike me. <laughs> It's the weekend. It is the weekend, and this is Crime by the Bar. Welcome. Welcome to Crime by the Bar. Welcome one, welcome all. Mm, I'm Jonathan. I'm Anna. <laughs> so, um, as we mentioned in the all the party thoughts, it's Friday, and we're here with our Friday mysteries. Yes, we are. <laughs> it's great. Um, who's worst this week? Do we know? Do we want to discuss it? I think we should discuss it. So... I've um, I've been going back and forward between a lot of crimes this week, mm-hmm. and I've ended on something debatable, let's say, but hopefully interesting. I have an interesting combination of I'm low on everything except for the humanity scale. Okay, but I- it's also done in the name of treating people more humanely. I mean, my instinct says you're worse this week. Mine, mm. I also went back and forth in quite a few crimes because I originally decided what I was doing and then I decided to do another one that I'm also quite familiar with and always lump into the same category as the first one. Um, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a little bit about two different crimes. Okay. They're both involving German hackers. Ooh. And they're both involving politics as well. Hey! <laughs> yeah. One involves the KGB. That sounds interesting. It is quite interesting. I'm up for the KGB. And both of them supposedly have the same type of death, even though the circumstances are super suspicious. Oh. Um, but, yeah. What do you reckon? Tricky. So... <laughs> but but you, it sounds like you have murders, right? I, no. Officially, no. Okay. Mm. Okay, screw it. I'll go first, even though I always do. But I'll go first. Um, um, mine, but, partially on the humanity and the quantity, but... But before you go first, mm. I'd like to, to read an email. Ooh. Yeah. We've, we've got an email. we got an email <gasps> from last week's crime, my crime last week. Last week, was it the Peter mystery? Peter Oh, mystery. Yeah, from ah. the mystery, from the Peter Bergman mystery. Um, okay. So, guys, ladies, people of the world, if you haven't listened to last week's mystery, go back and listen to it. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, last week's mystery, um, mine was about a guy who'd used the name Peter Bergman mm-hmm. and uh, had given an address in Vienna and then mysteriously showed up. Uh, dead on a beach and no one really knew what the deal was and when they checked out the address um that was listed in vienna with a 4472 uh postcode okay. um 
it, it just it didn't pan out and apparently it linked to an empty lot whenever I was trying to find it mm-hmm. I, I couldn't find any record of this address so I couldn't even work out why they'd said it was an empty lot well yeah. Sarah sent us an email saying that the address does not exist at all in Vienna so the street name doesn't exist mm-hmm. in Vienna or in Austria um, at, at all and that the postcode the 4472 thing it doesn't it has also got nothing to do with Vienna. Any postcodes in Vienna? Hmm. Is it the wrong format? Or? It's not the wrong format. All postcodes in Vienna begin with a one. Mm-hmm. Some in the outskirts begin with a two, but all the postcodes oh. um, within the city uh, proper begin with a one. And if the postcode did exist, it would be um, about 300 kilometers away. Huh. So I guess she's uh, Austrian because <laughs> she said that the general consensus is that um, that the guy wasn't Austrian at all um, oh. and he was unlikely to have been German. And I, I don't know why they say unlikely to have been German, but the general consensus among Austrians is that he was most likely Dutch or Belgian. Hmm. And th- the photo of him was circulated um, within Austria hmm. and some internet sleuths, I guess. Um, <laughs> I love that word. Ended up doing a few bits and pieces including looking at how many CNA stores there are throughout um, Dach and Benelux right right Um, the CNA shit so he was he had uh, CNA clothes Mm -hmm. but all the labels were cut out and they keep focusing on it on the guy being Dutch actually above anywhere else which is really interesting maybe Belgium maybe Luxembourg and yeah there was a specific missing person she sent me a link um Dutch guy who was missing um, that a lot of people think look really similar to to Peter Bergman. The family hasn't commented on it at all, which also seems kind of weird. And he would be younger than the 55 to 60 years old that Peter Bergman apparently was. But it was also pointed out that he he had advanced stages of cancer and yeah Yeah. so it could make him look a lot older than he actually was um but i i should update our website with with the details on that Hmm. because it's super interesting um i i'm not sure that it if it is or if it isn't but it's kind of cool um oh definitely and like if you have a match as mentioned on the um missing person thing uh, I was before you mentioned that my mind went back to what I kind of dismissed as in oh people not use the foreigners comment but uh, there was was it a bus driver mentioning he had a like Eastern European accent yeah he said Eastern European yeah do you know if CNA has many stores there or I don't have the numbers I have no. to say I just went by Sarah's email yeah. No, no, it's a good uh, combination and everything we knew beforehand was pointing towards the um, Swiss? Uh, Austrian, Austrian, sorry. Yeah. Uh, was pointing towards the Austrian angle. So um, so that's good. I like, thanks for writing in. That was yeah. awesome. Um, we do love your corrections. Keep it coming. And awesome. let us know whenever you find something else. Hey. Sounds perfect. Mm. Now, without further ado, <gasps> tell me your story. <laughs> Oh, right. I'm going first. I almost forgot. Mm-hmm. For my story. Yes. We're going to the People's Republic of China. Yay. Okay, awesome. Mm-hmm. So this is, um, well, I I had some issues going back and forth between different crimes this week, uh, considering what to choose and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I did find 
something. And it, it was just a basically a rabbit hole going down on articles and information that got me interested. So we're talking China and with many points here, there's a lot of dispute of some reports contradicting others and the official statements and contradictory reports and yeah. it's all a bit in the air. So yeah. let's take it with a grain of salt, but I have a few facts at okay. least. But on the, um, on the claims and speculations, we have a lot of human rights groups are of course looking at China yeah. overall. And several of these claim that uh, currently China basically executes more criminals every year than the rest of the world combined. Wow. So these are, this is both Amnesty and other sources um, that push this because like the exact number of executions in China is almost like a state secret. They are very, they are secretive on some points and they report some things that doesn't always add up. And uh, Amnesty in general estimates that the real number of executions in China is uh, like I've seen the reports year to year on executions globally. Amnesty does keep a pretty tight track on that. Yeah. And for basically every year, uh, China is like, okay, we know at least these many, but we suspect, and it's like several thousands above uh, what they have confirmed. Um, so yeah, it is tricky to have proper facts here, but hey, that's amnesty and a lot of other groups or organization claims yeah so for a bit of history in 1997 china made lethal injection uh, legal as a form of execution Ooh. and uh, in conjunction with this they began to work on some generally related technological innovation to their uh, justice system okay mm. especially back then and up to at least 2007, I think, uh, the main drug used for the executions was, for, for this long period, only manufactured in Beijing. And that, combined with other factors, made it pretty hard and or expensive to handle like handle death sentences with this new approach yeah. um, and to generally comply with the regular need to transport prisoners to Beijing. Mm-hmm. But they found a solution. I'm concerned. Execution vans. fuck's sake. Yeah. That's not great. So back when they swapped, they kind of began development and trials of this concept. It was relatively slow. But by 2004, they did place several orders and there was like a big touting of the triumphant high-tech solution to this carrying out death penalties. So yeah, 2004, one of the first criminals to be executed in what they called a mobile execution chamber Mm. was Zhang Xichang. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Who was convicted of a, a double murder and rape? And they basically, like, I've seen specs, especially from this when they did the first major push and everything. Yeah. See specs and images of the um, well, buses or vans, depending on your definition. Uh, but they were ba- they were varying in size, but basically 
complying to the general setup of they had three sections. So they had the execution chamber, yeah. which was in the back with uh, blacked out windows. They had That's seats insane. and a stretcher oh. um, and uh, the seats for the court doctor and guards, sterilizer for the injection, wash basin and basically all the amenities. I have a question. Why would you bother sterilizing the needle for the injection if... This is not the first time I've heard this question, but I'm assuming that complies with the general humanitarian compliance on the a, basic a metal of if you're doing something. Kind of like... I, I do kind of agree, but at the same time, I can see where regulations for that came up. <laughs> if we're talking in a criticism, I don't know. It's totally um, weird. But yeah, that, that was the execution chamber. They also had an observation area in the middle, mm -hmm. uh, which was basically, um, they had a glass window separating it from the execution space, accommodating, I think, up to six people for the first uh, models. And the like official who was in charge of the execution oversaw the entire thing through monitors. And uh, it was all connected through a like, closed circuit communication thing. And they had... Uh, seeing the prisoner and basically giving instructions yeah. over uh, the uh, closed system. Uh, and then the driver area, that's just someone driving the bus. In the actual execution area, they had like several cameras mm -hmm. uh, and like closed circuit feeds with television monitoring the executions. This was connected in the front of the van and a recording could be made if so requested or necessary. Wow. Uh, some sources, I couldn't find enough uh, like confirmation of this, but some sources say that some executions were also like live streamed to, I don't know, show transparency or something. But That sounds horrible. That was some sources, at least. So by the, uh, let's see, uh, I think it was mid-year 2006, at least 40 of these vehicles were out and produced by one company, but wow. possibly more. Uh, so the first makers of this, like the innovators, they said that these vehicles and the injections in general uh, were a civilized alternative to the firing squad, which yeah. are, like China has had the death penalty for a long while. Mm -hmm. They were doing the firing squad, but this was a civilized alternative. And what did I say? Uh, for ending the life of the condemned more quickly, clinically and safely. Uh, and uh, that like tossing aside the firing squads and replacing them with injections was a sign that China promotes human rights now. Uh, this was said by Kang Zhongweng, not sure, um, who was the designer of the first automobile death van, uh, where, for instance, uh, Zhang was uh, executed. So this is said to like save money for like the state and um, the local governments, etc., where they would have to otherwise pay a lot of fees to get execution facilities in their prisons or court buildings or transport prisoners, etc. Uh, the same designer, Kang, said that the fact that prisoners could be executed locally really easily with these vans... Yeah would deter others from committing crimes and have more impact than executions carried out elsewhere in Beijing or so. Yeah. 
yeah and he i have he was apparently very talkative in several press sources i have quotes from like interviews with him talking about how humane it is and how proud he was of the bed and that was all brilliant that's horrifying kind of kind of so i'm fast forwarding a bit um, do you want to do some gems along the way or are you good uh, oh no the the bed thing was the one that really stood out to me uh, like um, okay to actually go back to the quote uh, I'm most proud of the bed it was very humane like an ambulance and uh, then saying like oh no it's too brutal to just toss someone aboard but this makes it all very convenient for the criminal and for the guards as well because oh, um, convenience is what we need oh yes convenience and live streaming clearly mm-hmm. Uh, pretty much so having these bands makes the entire process uh, cheaper and more effective which okay I can actually see that so for this bus it basically only requires four people uh, to participate in the execution as opposed to the like trial process having a death row thing and then doing the firing squad thing yeah and uh, after the punishment has been administered I guess Uh, The remains of the criminals are typically immediately driven to a crematorium and burned there. Uh, That's quite difficult to trace then. Before any relatives or independent witnesses can view the remains. It sounds like quite a convenient way to, um, I mean, facilitate corruption in death penalty cases as well, you'd think. You don't say. (laughs) Because, like... (laughs) Wow. Hmm. Is, is this going somewhere? Uh, it is going somewhere. <gasps> really? Oh, yeah. I'm we like, we, we have an, like, this attention. is just the background on the high-tech death van uh, functionality thing. But we are coming closer to the, like, conspiracy edge of it all. Oh, I'm so excited. Because for a moment, I'm going to pause and jump over to a completely unrelated and different industry. Okay which is hospital care. Oh. Specifically organ transplants. Oh. Oh, I like this very much. Mm. I like this very much. <laughs> this is this is the stuff that nightmares are made of. Kind of is, kind of is. Uh, so organ transplants are pretty costly for they have been for a long while, costly for the Chinese. Mm-hmm. And especially since from sources I can see, especially um, the last decade, um, there was a lot of a basically bidding war situation going where the prices could be hiked up almost like five times uh, the initial price if people were cutting in line and getting it earlier. But still, even with that pushing up the price for the expedience, um, it has for a long while still been a lot cheaper to have an organ transplant in China compared to other developed countries. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I have some, most of my numbers are either from 2006 or 2016. It doesn't matter. There's also the comparison of the black market. But um, in general, I can say that like over the last couple of decades, like patients from Malaysia, Japan, Hong Kong, and Singapore have all gone to China. Basically, for transplants to make it quick, easy, and a bit cheaper. That's kind of scary. I I did find one. It, 
it was very sad, but still very illuminating um, uh, interview with, it wasn't someone who wanted to be anonymous, and I can see why. Yeah. Uh, it was a transplant recipient. It was a Canadian yeah. who, like, he needed a uh, kidney transplant. Yeah. And he was pretty old. He had a rare blood type. And, like, even though Canadian healthcare is pretty good on the cost wise yeah 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 it's i think one of the closest to the uk yeah yeah. it was pretty good but the waiting list was like no there was no way he would survive long enough to get to the top of the waiting list yeah so he was kind of as he said it in the interview he was kind of um he was kind of convinced by family members to like no 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 look at this go to China, try it out. Yeah. And uh, so he went to Beijing in 2006. Within one week, he received a new kidney. That's insane. That is an insanely short amount, especially if you're not in the system before that. And if you're, you've got a rare blood type. Mm-hmm. Uh. Pretty much. Um, in this, uh, so this was 2006, he said that he paid $10,000 for the transplant. Yeah. Which is... Yeah, for pretty that cheap. waiting time, it's <laughs> yeah pretty manageable. Um, but, but yeah, I found a lot of stories like that. But um, even without direct statements, there was enough weirdness to cause a lot of suspicions internationally. A lot of people and organizations were suspecting that this new execution van concept. Yeah might possibly be linked to the booming organ transplant hospital care industry that they saw. So there has been a lot of back and forth. So in 2005, through reports, Chinese officials admitted that they had harvested organs from prisoners, but they promised to reform the practice. Um, And basically as a response to this, in 2006, the Ministry of Health like issued regulations uh, banning sales of organs and tightening um, uh, tightening the approval standards and they were cracking down on it and they did arrest several doctors for allegedly carrying out illegal transplants at private clinics everything though but this was all according to the local authorities and state media yeah but even so like even after all this amnesty Uh, said in a report that the same year, 2006, that huge profits from the sales of prisoners' organs might be one of the reasons, at least, while China is very adamantly not getting rid of the death penalty. Fine. Yeah. Like, what can you say? Yeah. And I'm not even getting into the uh, whole... There is a big mess of a lot of people reporting and claiming but this has been way too unsubstantial for me to bring up here but there's a lot of talk of like the kind of people that are imprisoned and sentenced to death uh, be it political or religious uh, dissidents and whatnot but not poking there i always love that quote of um in a similar vein treason is simply a matter of dates whenever it comes to isn't that nice that's clever yeah i like it i've never heard that where's that from i think it's from kind of monte cristo Hmm. because um okay then i have heard it i just forgot it but um 
maybe I'm misquoting it, but it's, uh, I think they definitely said it in the movie. Um, I really like your version regardless, so I'll roll with that. <laughs> but it it was um, essentially Dantes was sent to prison because he was loyal to uh, Napoleon instead mm. of the king, but then the king um, lost power and Bonaparte was, was back in. Mm. And, um, and they still wouldn't release him from prison and they petitioned to have him released because, hey... Yeah. You know, this isn't treasonous anymore. Why would he still be in prison? And I think it was the Abbe Bussoni who said uh, treason is simply a matter of date. So mm-hmm. he was also imprisoned. And he was a, a Bonapartist rather than a royalist. That's so weird. It is a really good quote. The the situation kind of reminds me of the um, uh, a thing that is more and more poking up in uh, the USA. Yeah. With, um, you know, more and more states are legalizing uh, marijuana. Yeah. That's... But there are so many people in jail yeah. for basically marijuana possession, not even pushing it, but possession. It's also quite interesting because um, there are people who are having their visas rejected going into the states from Canada. I, I don't even understand why they really need a visa because I thought you could, it was more or less free travel, but um, hmm. maybe it's not. Well, anyway. There are issues with visas being rejected to the states if you admit to smoking cannabis, even in a country that's legal. Um, you can still be rejected because federally it's it's still considered an offence. Yeah. So you should never admit to it, apparently. That's weird. Um, but no, the federal thing I've heard of as well with um, like completely uh, like the first, what was it, the first four states or so when they legalized marijuana yeah, uh, and the properly authorized, completely legal, basically retailers who weren't allowed to like have bank accounts because it wasn't legal on a state level, a uh, federal level. So. so they basically are a, a huge risk because they need to do everything in cash and they can't, they need to pay all the employees in cash yeah. because they're not allowed to open bank accounts for that company, Ooh. which is ridiculous. That is kind of ridiculous. Mm. Oh, shit. Oh, well. Life. Yeah. World. All these things. Mm. Where was I? Um, China. Yes. People's Republic of China. Um, so, so all of these things like, okay, we have reforms promised and we have, um, uh, amnesty and other organizations not being too on top of that. Yeah. Um, in August, 2009, uh, there were reports that approximately 65% of all the transplanted organs in China were from executed prisoners. What percent? 65. Shit. That's a lot. So the health minister, Huang Yifu, sorry again, uh, <laughs> described the uh, described in general prisoners as being, quote, not a proper source for organ transplants. But he was also during his career going back and forth a lot on this stance. Uh, so that was 2009. Yeah. In 2013, he basically pushed for utilizing prisoners organs saying on record that the uh, prisoners should be allowed to donate organs and that this should be you know accepted as a norm in the healthcare system which 
is fine in principle, but that's, so up and open to corruption. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, fine if someone wants to sign up for this, that's good. But that's yeah. not really what we're seeing ever here. Um, in 2007, uh, the same um, minister, uh, Huang, was quoted to say, from January 1st, 2015, organ donations from voluntary civilian organ donors have become the only legitimate source of organ transplantations. However, human rights lawyers and journalists are very much digging into this and they are releasing disconcerting reports. Mm -hmm. Basically cross-checking the publicly reported figures uh, from hospitals all across China show a major discrepancy between the official figures and the numbers of transplants carried out throughout the country. I think they quote say the government says the total number of legal transplants is about 10,000 per year. Yeah. But like the report as they were digging into it made the number look more close to 60,000 to 100,000 organs transplanted each year. So what does that say about the number of illegal ones? Yeah, it, it doesn't bode well. But um, yeah, the, the Chinese foreign ministry have commented on these reports saying, quote, that such stories about forced organ harvesting in China are imaginary and baseless. They don't have any actual foundation. The main core, especially tying into our high-tech thing here, yeah. the mobile execution vehicles are still out there. No one knows exactly how many they are. I got like one number for one province, which was really high. But there are a lot of them. And they're just, remember, they, like, from the outside, they look like normal police vehicles. Yeah, yeah. But just like, no. Someone needs to get executed. They have the means. That's, that's crazy. That's basically my story. Like, I, oh, yeah, I, I had never heard of the whole van slash bus solution. No, me neither. But they've been working on that for a long while. And then finding out about the supposed, because, yeah, proof is not easy to come by, but um, the supposed organ harvesting and combining that with what is already, it is widely reported, yet again, not going to say that we have any definite evidence, but um, when we're talking like dissidents and like political and religious, yeah. uh, there have been a lot of accusations of a lot of baseless or wrongful execution arrests and also executions mm -hmm. in China. And then having the very, very convenient vans and then also a history, by now it's basically a confirmed history of the black market organ dealing. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a lot going on here. And um, even though, yeah, it is the government, but I thought this fit the uh, kind of conspiracy notion we were talking about. Yeah, it's freaking me out. And one of the things <laughs> that's freaking me out most is years ago I watched a rather questionable TV documentary about people who have organ transplants and um, inherit, if you like, characteristics of the person that they receive really? the organ from. Yeah. Oh. And um, I mean, it, it only followed a couple of people and they were really interesting. One of them was a guy who had a heart transplant mm -hmm. and um, there was something very specific in his diet. So we'll, we'll run with this one. Um, 
he never before would eat fish. He couldn't stand it. He couldn't be around it. Hated the smell. Hated hated the taste. Everything. Had a heart transplant, and then immediately starts craving fish and starts eating it all the time. And also wants to be by the sea and everything else. Huh. Um, the person he got the heart from wasn't wasn't uh, shared with them. It's confidentiality. Mm-hmm. They don't do that. They ended up tracking um, the person down separately. And um, it turned out to be someone who lived by the sea because they'd grown up by the sea and loved the sea and loved fishing and loved fish and loved this. And and there were quite a few of these stories throughout the the documentary that were kind of um, even down to like a guy who had suddenly started playing the piano and was excellent at it and had no um, drive towards you know, going into anything musical before, but picked it up after his kidney transplant or whatever else. The strongest connections supposedly were from heart transplants. And as much as I want to believe it's all bullshit, <laughs> it, it it was a very compelling documentary. And you we don't really know what is within the organ. Like, how is a person made up? Where does mm-hmm. your personality come from? How much of it is in your brain and how much of it is elsewhere? Yeah, but I mean, your DNA is in every cell. Yeah. Ah. It's completely... Like, I say this, but I had a similar reaction. Like, Uh especially my immediate response was like, regardless of where my actual stance would land after looking into this, like, hearing with a heart transplant was like, huh, okay. And then, like, kidney transplant, like, nah. Yeah, surely not. But I mean, we put so much emphasis on the heart yeah. that you know it doesn't seem that shocking that you could maybe inherit traits from from someone after you after you've had a heart transplant. But yeah, like you say, if every if every organ has DNA <laughs> in it, what's to say that some of that can't literally bleed out into the body mm. and cause certain things to be picked up? And in that vein, what's freaking me out is. If someone's falsely executed, mm. oh, who's to say you're not going to be haunted by their organs? <laughs> <laughs> I, I really get where you're going, but I couldn't stop that laugh. No, because, like, I'm the same. Just the I know phrase it haunted by crazy. your organs is a brilliant fucking phrase. But I mean, oh, it's actual blood money. It's really creepy. It really is. It really is. Oh, okay, I'm so glad you went first. Oh yeah, yeah. That was uh, that was my story. I liked it. I, I, I liked it and I hate it. And it's awful. <laughs> uh, we we should put up some photos of the buses though, because like I um, I saw some general ones, but they yeah. like I assume they were designed for. They only look like police vehicles, a bit bigger and clunkier. Um, but I did see. Uh, I found one article which basically had basically like a design breakdown. And shit, yeah. and that was kind of creepy, but uh, it's it's worth looking into. Mm, mm. We should do it. Let's do it. Oh, and let's have another cry. Okay, shall I just launch into it? Well, it's up to you. Do you need a top up, or are we good? I can just launch into it. Launch away! Launch okay. away! We're heading to space. Um, or cyberspace. I think I'm going to ask you a question that you can say yes to this time. Ooh, please do. Have you heard of Hagbard? H-A-G-B-A-R-D? I believe he's a Viking. No, I'm thinking of Hagar. How do you spell that? Uh, just H-A-G-A-R. Hold on, let me... I think that's the cartoon Viking thing. Let me... I'm, I'm so paranoid I'm pronouncing it incorrectly. <laughs> Is this about a cartoon Viking? It's not about a cartoon Viking, my story. 
Oh, Hogbard. Okay. Hogbard? Oh, he's in a lot of tales. Goodness. Um, Norse mythology, dude. Hogbard. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well, I'll ask you a different question. Have you heard of Carl Koch? Not Carl Otto Koch, who is someone totally different, but um, Carl Koch. He's German. No, don't think so. Carl Otto Koch is also a German and he's a guy from the SS. So let's just not talk about him because this has nothing to do with him. Uh, well, Carl Koch was also known by his handle, Hagbard. Hmm. So, um, which he took from a, a comic that, let me see. Um, Wait, what was the nationality of the dude? He's German. Um, he's okay. German. He's from Hanover. Because I, I did a quick language check, and uh, even though the name is not the same, mm-hmm. the name for the mythological character is the same one that was used for the cartoon character Hagar. Ah, so there is a connection. In Swedish, at yeah. least. Yeah. Well, with this, um, he was actually influenced by... Uh, something called the Illuminatus Trilogy. Yeah, it was by Robert Anton Wilson and Robert Shea. Uh, basically, there's a character in that called Hagbard Selene, um, whose name came from the Norse mythology dude hmm. that we just talked about. Yeah, yes. And this guy, Hagbard Selene, would, um, his character essentially was fighting the Illuminati. Um, and this okay. is where Carl Koch's screen name came from, Hagbard. And... As time went on, it became pretty clear he did believe the Illuminati was real and Mm. um, was very into all the conspiracy theories surrounding that. Um, But that maybe speaks to to state of mind more than anything else because it's it's not the only conspiracy theory he bought into. Okay. Um, Were there lizard people? Were there what? Lizard people. I don't know. I didn't Ah. get that far. I am... Yeah, Carl Koch, basically, he had a bit of a shitty time. He he was born in 1965, 22nd of July, mm-hmm. um, in Hanover. His mom died whenever he was 10 years old from cancer. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. it was kind of sad. And it was two years later that his dad moved his girlfriend into the house, which caused all sorts of arguments. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't long after that. Like, can you imagine being 12 and... It feels quite fresh that your mom's gone and the girlfriend moves in. Like, parents have a right to move on, but it sounded to be, like, a serious issue. Mm. And then not long after that, his grandmother moved in, which was also a big, massive drama and affected his childhood. Um, By 16... Sorry, just Mm -hmm. since I always have difficulties with this, uh, paternal or maternal grandmother? I don't know, actually. Um... I, That's I, why you need better language. Well, I pulled <laughs> I pulled it from a German article, so... I've never studied German, so I don't know how they do it, but uh, I probably ranted to you about the um, the perfect Swedish approach, right? Yeah, you did. With the mother, 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 father, 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 and father, mother. Which is super cool. Yeah, it is efficient. Come it, on. I mean, you know exactly what you're talking about. Um I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea about the grandmother. Okay. I would assume it's the father's mother. No, I don't have it here. Um, yeah, I'm assuming father because I don't find much about his mother after she died. Okay. He, 
Yeah, he was supposed to be a really calm teenager. He was described as being very intelligent. He always did well in school. Um, he was also really into geology and um, later he got a job at a quarry and um, was really into collecting rocks and things like that. You know, he seemed he just seemed mm. quite quiet. Um, but from age 16 onwards, he was smoking a lot of hash mm. and he was also taking sedatives, including Valium. So don't know how much of it was him actually being chill and how much of it was him being Stoned. off his tits. Yeah, mm. like, yeah. <laughs> He, yeah, I mean, it's not great. But by 1984, whenever he was 18, his dad died. Um, and in some ways, well, in some ways it was un his undoing, but at the time it actually worked out all right for him because he seemed okay. to have a, a bit of a strange relationship with his father. Hmm. And um, he got a decent amount of inheritance from him. So he didn't have to work and... It's. It was around that time that he started getting into hacking. Um, it wasn't eighty four. His dad, his father died in August, but got sick. I think at the beginning of the oh. year. But he got into hacking um, in eighty four. Um, That's a bit of a jump, though. Like to be honest, I almost just on the brief pause mm -hmm. uh, for quite our theme and everything. But yeah. I, I technically knew you had a German hacker. Yeah. But I had issues with just seeing the technically natural, but still I haven't really seen a combination between geologists and working in quarries. Well, that that was his sense. little hobby. That was his little I, hobby more than anything else. That makes perfect sense. I just haven't heard it. Yeah. But then the jump to hacker? Um, I mean, he'd always seemed to... He was an intelligent kid and he had mm. experience using computers, but it did seem like a pretty abrupt transition into it. Mm. Um, but you got to bear in mind as well, this this is like early to mid 80s. Um, yeah. It's not, as long as you're computer savvy, you don't have to be super advanced to get into it. So, I mean, 84, as long as he knows, you know, how to educate himself mm. and he's smart enough to pick it up, then he's probably golden. Yeah, true. Um, it was quite difficult to find information on exactly how he got into it, but I know he got into it in 84. By 85, um, there's some debate about whether he started it or whether he was um, just affiliated with it. But um, some reports say he started uh, what became known as Chaos Computer Club, CCC. And mm. yeah, he ends up at this point adopting the the name Hagbard full time as his <laughs> uh, name and he's named his computer fuck up all caps as an anagram of first universal cybernetic kinetic ultra micro programmer um which he completely nicked from the whole illuminatus trilogy thing so fuck ump fuck up but there was an m between uh there's the a hyphen Oh, okay. so it is first universal cyberkinetic, <laughs> cybernetic kinetic, ultra hyphen micro programmer. Oh yes, the very approved word of ultra micro. Yeah, didn't you know that's a proper word, ultra micro? Um, <laughs> I will trust you, but okay. It's bullshit. It's total bullshit, and it came <laughs> from a freaking yeah. I I know it's. I I don't mean anything by calling it a comic book. I'm just calling it a comic book to differentiate it from a regular only text book. Mm. So it came from the Illuminatus trilogy comic books. Hmm. 
Um, so yeah, he named his computer after that as well. He was super into it, but also he's been smoking a shitload of hash, so he's probably <laughs> quite paranoid at this point. In fact, we have a lot of reports to go into how paranoid he gets about things. Huh. But yeah, so he is involved with the CCC, the computer, the Chaos Computer Club, um, and he was working with other hackers who were also quite young, like 18, 19, 20, who went by Dob, D-O-B, uh, that was hmm. Dirk Otto Brzezinski. Um, Dirk Otto? Dirk Otto Brzezinski. You know my huh. dad's name is Dirk, by the way. I did not. Yeah, my dad's name it's is Dirk. It's a wonderful name. It has that Scottish dagger feel to it. Uh, um, well, that's spelled differently. My dad is Dirk like the Dutch one, not Dirk like the dagger in your sock. Dirk like the supermarket. Yeah, but it's... Dirk. Yeah, it's yeah. the same thing, right? It's no, D-I-R-K. I don't think it's... I think the Scottish dagger is spelled differently, isn't it? I thought it was the same. No, I'm questioning. I don't know, actually. Huh. We'll it's, have to look it up. It's funny, I have Scottish heritage as well. Like, <laughs> my mum's side... You have all the heritage. Yeah, <laughs> my mum's side would have been Ulster Scots rather than pure Celts. Huh. So, okay. um, yeah... Plus, I've got that DNA thing that says I'm everything now, which is super well, exciting. True, true, true. <laughs> but yeah, I'm no. still tempted to do that after you explain it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I want to do it for Kelfi. I want to know where my cat <laughs> comes from. <laughs> that would actually be really fucking interesting. I don't think they do it. I think they um, should though. But they don't have enough references to like tell where mm, your cat is from. That's why they need to start now. Plus, it's bloody expensive. She is turning five next month. It could be a really nice birthday present for her. Mm. I have to throw a party. You're invited. What, what, oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, what would be the like the ultimate jackpot of realizing, like, if we're throwing her a party and revealing, like, congratulations, you're sixty five percent human. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> that I, would be disconcerting on several levels. I, but I okay. don't. I don't rank. Uh, nationalities or countries or bloodline by anything other than exciting <laughs> and oh, true, true. and I don't that's, even rank them by exciting I yeah what would be the jackpot for her I think it would be super cool to find out she was um, from the Antarctic or something that would be really interesting oh. or maybe Australian can you imagine if she was Australian they don't even have cats in Australia they have some weird marsupial they've equivalent. They've never had cats. Exactly. Have they? That is the yeah. jackpot. Then I, if if it came back that she was Australian, <laughs> that would be amazing. She was like the descendant of the one single cat in Australia, and once the humans started shipping prisoners there, they were like, "No, fuck this shit. We're going to the UK. We will swim. We will swim to the UK." <laughs> and then it's like we've done it once. We're never doing it again. <laughs> she is the uh, the Adam the Adam. Of, of uh, cats in Australia. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. There we go. I've decided. Um, okay, we're back to it. Computer Chaos Club. Chaos Computer Club. Um, Hagbard worked with DOB, Dirk Otto Brzezinski. Uh, Pengo, who is Hans Heinrich Hubner. Um, and Ermel, or Mark Hess. So you have DOB, you have Pengo, and you have Ermel. Hmm. As well as Hagbard himself. Um, now, this is where it starts to get super interesting. Despite him um, chilling out, liking his rocks, like, not just dodgy <laughs> shit, um, but, like, he's into geology. He likes rocks. He's collecting them. He actually doesn't need to have a job. No judgment here. Um, not only that, 
within uh, so his father had died in 84 same year he starts getting into hacking um, 85 he's in this club with these other guys um, he also starts getting some free cocaine so uh, probably not the best if you're already a bit paranoid about stuff but no free cocaine whoop um, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. yeah I so, know we're jumping again kind of a jump so how does one exactly not to promote any kind of whatnots he just suddenly got like, oh, and here is the cocaine drawer in some, your freezer that automatically refills. Or Some friends just give him cocaine. It's not like, yeah, not auto-refilling. It, 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 you made it sound very, you know, limitless and like, and now he has free it's, cocaine. No, it sounds like it. It sounds mm. like it. But that is also how drug dealers can get you into highly addictive drugs, right? Well, they give true, you a free true. taster and then all yeah. of a sudden it's like, you know. That's true. Hi, I have to have it. So by 86, he has to buy his own cocaine, which Ah. is actually okay because he has the inheritance money that he's spending on it. Hmm. Um, Well, well, okay. I mean, it's not okay, but if if you're into cocaine, then it's wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) And by all kinds, he was really into the cocaine. I'm sorry. (laughs) You laugh away. Yes, yes. Sorry, sorry. That was very insensitive, but yes. (laughs) Um, So... Woo, cocaine. Um, don't worry, he's still doing the hash and the sedatives. Hey. And he still has fun with his geology stuff. But, yeah, it starts getting super interesting. He starts hacking in to US and other Western computers hmm. and supplying information to the KGB. Oh, really? Just yes. straight off, like... Huh, that that is very interesting. Yes, I mean, I like it, this. It it all went fairly quickly for him because after his after his dad died, he didn't have to work. He didn't mm. have to go to school. He had the money to be able to do whatever he wanted. And at that point, he had an interest in hacking, so he pursued it. And unlike most hackers, he was able to pursue it full time hmm. because. He didn't have to have a job. Yeah. Um, so he picked it up really, really quickly and got in deep really quickly. And um, I'm a bit unclear about how he ended up in the, the position where he's, you know, hacking uh, Western computers and passing information to the K- KGB. But um, yeah, that that's exactly what happened. And it, it, it looks like his, um, his friends in the um, Chaos Computer Club were doing pretty much the same thing. Um, in fact... On Wikipedia, he's described as being known known for being a Cold War hacker. Like, that's his thing. Sorry, I had a revelation. Yeah. You were talking about the CCC before. Mm-hmm. I think you mentioned something else, but I didn't react to the Chaos Computer Club until now, but I have actually heard of them. Yeah. Yes. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's infamous. So... By 87, um, a year after he's been having to pay for his own cocaine, which is a bit of a bummer, um, he decides to come to Amsterdam so um, and gets a shitload of drugs and Mm. is having a a hell of a good time until he's pretty sure someone is following him. Mm. And it freaks him out a lot. And I mean, you'd be freaked out enough if someone was following you, let alone if you are... Yeah. yeah, off your face. <laughs> yeah. Um, it it turns out to be uh, a journalist who um, just wants wants a scoop, and over the next couple of years, he has um, he's 
it's not that he's becoming known, but there's an understanding of who's involved in in these hackings and who's passing um, secrets on and uh, passing information to the KGB. So um, it is a little bit uncomfortable. And mm. if we fast forward um, a little further, the whole way to late 88, early 89, um, he essentially ends up uh, agreeing to give information on what he's been doing in return for immunity. Hmm. So it's it's all going quite quick. Now, to be fair, five years have now passed, so there's been a decent period of yeah, yeah. Um, of him hacking and passing secrets <clears throat> on, and he had a good three years of, of getting away with it, and then two of being pretty uh, uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> and he was incredibly paranoid by this time. Now, he had um, gone to rehab and was trying to get himself better, but he'd also had a couple of suicide attempts. And, oh, no. yeah, and... Yeah, he 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 just he was in a bad way, and he'd been through years worth of therapy, which is not covered by. Um, Maybe it's sometimes covered by insurance, but it, it's not generally covered by insurance, and it definitely wasn't covered by his insurance in Germany mm. at the time. So he went to therapy whenever he was in his late teens and uh, and also early twenties. So even whenever he found out he was going to have to pay for it and it wasn't going to be covered by insurance, he kept going. So, you know, he was interested in getting better and he did see that he had issues to deal with. Mm. I'm, I'm going to kind of skim over all the details and the authorities and the police files and everything else. But essentially, um, there were a lot of concerns about Carl Cox's ties to the KGB. And in the end, yeah, he, he agreed he would testify and um, and give all the information on what he was doing. And, yeah, things start moving forward. So um, by the autumn of 1988, Carl was pretty freaking paranoid and convinced bad stuff was going to happen. Um, and by uh, March 1989, his friend was arrested um, so he was pretty much ready to talk. Um, he he ended up uh, discussing in detail what had happened hmm. um, with the KGB, what he had hacked, what he had done. He'd even hacked NASA systems. Um, yeah, like it was a big deal. Um, huh. And he was spilling the beans. Um, by to, to whom? To the Stasi. Oh. Yeah. Yeesh. Okay. Exactly. Hmm. Um, so by the 23rd of May, um, he doesn't return from lunch. Um, at noon, he was contacted by one of his friends. There was no answer. And um, by by four o'clock that day, it was really the word was out that he was missing. His his boss was hmm. concerned he hadn't turned um, returned from lunch and his friends were concerned they hadn't heard from him. Um, they, they checked his apartment. They checked places he was likely to be, but there was no sign. Um, by the 25th, so two days later, his friends went to, to a lawyer to discuss um, fear of, of something having happened to him by Western yeah. intelligence agencies. Oh, um, and it was, surprisingly. Yeah. And it was just over a week later um, that, so it was the 1st of June, that his body was found and it was completely charred in a forest, completely doused in petrol with a perfect circle on the ground of burned... Um, of burned grass everything else was completely dry oh, the actual burned area was just perfect circle yes shit yeah 
the rest of the ground was totally dry. Um, it was a farmer who actually ended up finding him, although the police were on alert. Um, and I have a statement. I mean, it's it's translated, so um, it is supposed to be a direct quote, but it has been translated. Hmm. Okay, so the farmer said, I do not believe um, it was a suicide. Um, it was so dry out that a match could have burned the whole forest. And there should have been a gallon of gas on him. Um, the other thing was, it, yeah, it was a perfect circle, which means he didn't move while he was burning because there mm. should have been drips from the gasoline. Yeah. Um, so he seemed to be perfectly still. Um, I mean, they must have made like a proper bonfire, like cordoning it off, well, cordoning it off, like separating with like rocks or whatever, making a proper fire area. If yeah. it was that dry, that's yeah, weird. But, but yeah, it wasn't. Um, but that that is more or less the story. Um, the The case was reopened a couple of times, and every time it's been closed as um, a death by suicide. Hmm. They are still saying this is a death by suicide. Um, there's some uh, most most people say it's not, even though he did have previous um, suicide attempts, but. Yeah, it doesn't quite add up. He was getting help. He hadn't had a, a, you know, he was also dealing with, you know, if you're paranoid that you're going to get caught Mm. and then you go to the police and you get immunity, then you're going to be a lot less paranoid about being caught because it doesn't matter anymore. Also, he was put into protective custody like, I think a day, really? two days before, yeah, okay. um, he went missing. Yeah, the the state put him up and a friend helped him move in and the friend said that, yeah, he, he wasn't in the best of moods about the whole thing, but, um, but it wasn't that he was paranoid, it was that he was pissed off that he was having to move house. Huh. And all of a sudden he shows up dead. Yeah. And it also seems super strange that he's well what's the deal with the shoes thing like shoes are missing shoes are never found but also you don't burn to death and stay completely still who does that if you're not a it requires a lot of self-discipline to choose and succeed with a let's say a clean um death by suicide with burning involved yeah, and... And this does not quite fit the profile. No, and the other thing is, it doesn't explain the circle around him, yeah. and it doesn't explain why um, it was described as uh, having been dry for over a week. Hmm. So the farmer himself was super sceptical, and, and just he just said it wasn't possible. It really wasn't possible. And a lot so, of locals said the same thing. The area was dry. It's in the middle of a forest. Yeah. The grass would have gone up. The trees would have gone up, like... Yeah, anything besides a perfect circle. No, I mean, unless he, if we're working the death by suicide angle, uh-huh. if he set up basically a, um, not, not enshrining, but basically cutting off, making like a campfire cut off with rocks and stuff like that. Yeah. And We'd then doing it. it. But yeah, then you would find the rest. Yeah. Or? There was um, a really awesome episode of CSI at one point where this guy, was it CSI? Ooh. Oh, no, it was a riddle. Um, The riddle goes something like this. Um, A man is found in a barn. He's dead from hanging. The rope is um, 
six feet from the ceiling. He is, he's 10 feet from either side of the barn, from any side of the barn, and he's 10 feet above the ground. How did he get there? Six feet from the ceiling, ten feet from the ground. The the measurements feet aren't is tricky, but yeah, yeah. The, the measurements aren't important, but essentially it's the guy more or less is hovering there. There's no sign of a ladder, there's no sign of anything. What happened? Um and the weight pushy thing? No. The because there the scene is as it is, no one else was in there. Um No, 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 I'm just thinking of the um like if you have a counterbalance that is overbalance more weight which you can push off something and then there is no weight we would see it i did not know there's nothing else in the barn okay other than a puddle no caps oh puddle Uh yeah standing on an ice block or yes exactly and i i love that one i didn't have the puddle sorry (laughs) um well i didn't say the puddle but like the idea of making it look like something it's not by doing the the ice block thing. Yeah, the CSI yeah. episode was someone got stabbed with part of an ice sculpture, so there was no murder weapon. Hmm. And they went back and they... It was CSI Miami. And then they uh, went, look at this photo of this ice sculpture, and then this was missing later on the party. And, uh, yeah, that was it. But, um, yeah, there there are a lot of theories about who might be responsible. It could be um, the KGB to put off other hackers from speaking. Um, there was also speculation that... Um, it could have been Western forces who were getting revenge, but it doesn't make much sense because he's not spilling the beans. But there could be still like a setting an example thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but surely you're better off having a turncoat hacker than true, a, true. Yeah, but it's 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 really crazy. Um, it's usually discussed hand in hand with another case, which was the one I was originally going to do. Oh, um, the case of Boris. Uh, I, d- I don't know how to pronounce his surname. Floricic, F-L-O-R-I-C-I-C. It's also German. So he's also a German hacker. Oh, German, um, I have no context for him. Yeah. Um, he, I'll, I'll give you the highlights reel. Um, he was known as Tron. Mm-hmm. Um, that was his handle. And he essentially um, was... At the time, uh, Germany's most famous hacker, he um, cracked the whole uh, pay TV encryption thing. So if you have, you you know what it is? Yeah. (laughs) So he hacked those cards so you could use them and and just top them up with fake money that didn't really exist. Um, And he he could do the same thing with cloning or recharging uh, telephone long distance cards Hmm. and almost any other payment card he could work out how to do it so um there were, were there were the prepaid credit cards that were super popular around the late 90s i think he could do it with those as well um and a company actually reached out to him uh to work for him and uh see if 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 he could um work as a kind of security ambassador for oh, them yeah, and see yeah. if he, he could come up with um yeah. some interesting technology to to stop people being able to crack it yeah the short version is a week after he declined uh, work for one of these companies. Um, so 17th of October, he had lunch with his mum, who he lived with. Um, that was about one in the afternoon. He met with an acquaintance around two. Um, they they had a chat and um, then he went off at around 2.30 and uh, took some money out of an ATM. Um, 
he was really reliable, followed a schedule. Like if he said he was going to be somewhere, he was. Mm-hmm. Um, so his mum started to worry whenever he didn't come home that night. His friends hadn't seen him. No one knew where he was. Um, they tried to report him missing, but the police um, had a pretty strict policy and you have to be missing for 48 hours as an adult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when his friends noticed his, his mobile phone was still on, um, they tried to get hold of the provider to find out where the phone was, but the provider refused to give out the information. Um, however, they did save the location data for the police. So, you know, actually, they did oh, a pretty good job. Okay, that's more than I expected. That's yeah, good. me too. Um, his friends kept calling the phone, calling, 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 hoping and walking around the area in the hopes that they would find him or hear the phone. Nothing. Hmm. Um, and by 11 o'clock that night, the phone had gone dead. Um, after the 48 hours, the parents finally were able to lodge a, a missing persons report. And his friends were trying to make it clear to the police, this guy is a big deal. Like, people might want to harm him. Hmm. Like, he does... Yeah, he's a big deal. He does some pretty interesting stuff in the field. Um, police seem to not really get it and thought they were just being your typical concerned friends. Our maid is really cool. Um, so apparently totally dismissed it. Um, so this all happened on the 19th of October um, after his disappearance on the 17th. Um Finally, on the 20th, the police started actually investigating it. They went through the house. Um, they actually ended up um, confiscating a lot of his computers. Hmm. And by the 22nd, so five days later, um, at five at night, well, evening, his body was found hanging from a tree. Um, it was, really? yeah, behind a local youth centre. Um, there's some interesting things in this. Um, initially, the police said that he died uh, one to two days before, even though he'd been missing for five days. Hmm. Um, however, the stomach contents matched the meal his mother had fed him for lunch the day he disappeared. Oh. So um, his mother offered many, many times to um, to recreate the meal um, to, to see if it was an exact match because it yeah, just yeah. made sense on the description. Mm-hmm. They refused. They said, don't bother. They never tested it against it. So we, we don't have 100% <sighs> confirmation that it was the same, but <sighs> okay. it's likely the same. There were some witnesses that said... He was, Tron was in a bar with a couple of strangers um, at around four o'clock the day he disappeared. Um, There are descriptions of these guys um, and they also saw him getting into a car with a foreign license plate. Um, There are a whole bunch of different things on that and theories on that and very specific accusations on that, Mm. which are all over the internet and quite interesting. But (laughs) at the end of the day, they're mostly unfounded. Okay. But yeah, I think the the creepiest thing for me was um, the belt w- that he had um, had been found around his neck, the one, well, the the weapon, if you like. Yeah. Um, it was just written off as his personal property and returned to his parents, but it wasn't his belt. They had never seen it. Not only that, it didn't fit his waist. Oh. And I'm gonna guess that no one tested that. Or? No. Yeah, no yeah, one tested it. Um, the parents were really insistent that they wanted DNA analysis done on it, but um, the request was totally denied. And okay, it's possible that maybe they returned the wrong piece of evidence, but the whole thing just seems dodgy as anything. 
Um, really does. Yeah. He also still had the, the money on him that he took out from the ATM. None of that seemed to be gone. Um, mm. And it was quite a lot of money he took out. And if we go back to the police timeline of he'd been dead for one to two days, um, kids from the youth centre had said they'd been playing back there and, and they hadn't seen him. So they hadn't seen anything. Huh. Um, but that's... Yeah, the okay, okay. The final thing is his feet were touching the ground. Really? Not flat on the ground, but they were touching the ground, which is, you know, pretty pretty bad sign. Tippy toe. Um, I don't know. They were touching the ground. Whoa. Yeah. Um so there are quite a few theories on it. Um again, the the death is listed as uh, a suicide and um and it was also looked at several times over the years, and every time they've come back to suicide. Hmm. But yeah, there there are a lot of different motives that we could suggest for people who would want him dead. Um, you know, the the company that had asked him if he wanted a job had given him uh, access to well to their technology to see you know do you want the job with us? Mm-hmm. And he turned it down a week before. But there's also um, you know, all all the companies that he'd pissed off over the years by um, being very, yeah. very public about this stuff being hackable. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there is no conclusion to it. That is really it. I mean, we can we can dip into the rest of it. The the cell phone data, by the way, the location stuff didn't go anywhere. He was more or less in the same area the whole time. There aren't that many cell towers. So um, all we know is his phone was more or less in the area he was found and the area that uh, his mum is based. And to be completely honest, throughout this story, I haven't gotten the... uh I, I haven't gotten that much trust in the uh, general investigation here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Considering the things they just dropped. So. I mean, this guy, the easiest place to find research on him is anywhere that talks about the conspiracy theories. Yeah. So you can take most of this with, with a bit of a pinch of salt, but the whole thing does sound dodgy as anything. And mm-hmm. I don't know how you can explain the, the belt issue without yeah. admitting to returning the wrong evidence rather than but e- even that but like the refusal to actually investigate several possibly very determining leads like yeah. the stomach content and everything that's that that is weird and a bit shady well they analyzed it against um reference slides that's my understanding of it hmm. so they can say right the guy had uh potatoes and green beans and this and that um but we're we're not bothering any further. And you can go into some serious detail there. Mm. But again, maybe it's down to budget, but it just seems really suspicious. It really does. And also the the time of death thing. How do you screw that up? It's yeah. either five days or it's or it's a day or so. Like it's not one would think it would be easy to distinguish. Yeah. Even then, yeah. But then again, if the oh. only thing pointing to um to it being him having died almost immediately is him not contacting anyone and the stomach contents being more or less the same. Maybe he just liked that kind of food. Maybe he just was out of contact. It's weird that he stayed in the area, though. The kids as well. The kids said that he wasn't there. There was nothing there. Yeah. How do you sneak a body in behind there as well? It's bizarre. Hmm. But, yeah, I that was originally the one I was going to do and then I 
became a bit more interested in Carl Koch at a certain point. But but now we got both. Now we got both. Mm-hmm. There we go. That's good. Well, There's a wonderful bonus for this wonderful Friday. Yeah. I think on that note, you know, weekend started, the party started. Well, the weekend started at least. That's true. It's um, time for weekend and possibly parties. Um, let's go off and enjoy ourselves. I, I think we should. Yeah, I think like, it's time. I, I still have questions, but oh, what not, are your questions? no, 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 not specific enough ones. Like, it's just the, there are so many things, floppy points and things. Yeah. And yeah, but that's also the point of the Friday mystery. Yep. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think we should enjoy the um, weekend and try to move forward. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all for listening. And um, I really have always this urge to say tune in, but... um, Yeah, say tune in. Thank you for tuning in. Ah. There we go. And we hope you have a brilliant weekend. If you have any theories or thoughts or requests or questions... Just reach out to us on either on Twitter at Crime by the Bar. Um, or you can email us crime by the bar at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and keep listening, keep subscribing and reviewing and rating, and we love you. Um, we think you're great. Yeah. I, yeah. Oh, we think you're really <laughs> great. Um, thanks so much for, for listening, and we hope you have an awesome weekend, and we will catch you next week. Indeed. Bye. Bye. You probably noticed, but I have no idea why I got so ridiculously drunk right now. Are you drunk? I'm so drunk. You started getting really tongue-tied and it was super funny. Well, we're sending well, not for me, but yes. I mean, the the ring on your nose is a bit a bit unusual. Well, I mean, that was. Let's. You need to stop drinking. Put it down. Good. I'm telling you about the farmer. Tell <laughs> me about the farmer okay. and the weirdness. <laughs>